Welcome to episode 6 of Retrospection, where we take a look at an old TV show or film and see if it was better back then or whether it's just naughty nostalgia playing tricks with us. I'm in New York, my name's Colin, and with me is my friend Paul. And I'm in the UK, in Reading. No, that's in Reading in the UK, isn't it? Sorry. That's Got that the wrong way round. Got that the wrong way round. Do you want to do it again? Do you want to just say... No, 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 no. Leave it in, it's fine. Make people think you're geographically challenged. It's it's because I'm not drinking tonight, so... It's going to be a long night. (laughs) And on this episode of our podcast, we're going to take a look at a Hammer film, Scars of Dracula, released in 1970. But before that, do you have any retro news that you'd like to share? I attended the Reading Comic Con recently. That'd be Reading England or England Reading? (laughs) Whichever one you prefer. Yeah, it was um, it was just a little one. Um, it was the first one I think they've ever had in Reading, actually. Um, it was a, just a little um, leisure centre again, one room kind of thing. Oh, actually, no, there were two rooms because there was a there was um, toilet. a photo, a toilet. Yeah, <laughs> we both know that I was in there a lot. That came out wrong, didn't it? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, um, there, there was a room where they were doing photo shoots. Um, so they were doing photo shoots with zombies for The Walking Dead. And, um, you know, the usual guests, there were uh, obviously Nicola Bryant. I, I held myself back this time. Oh, you did? I did, yeah. You're going to get to a point where you're going to see her more often than you've seen your wife. <laughs> well, she was with me. So, yeah, there was Nicola Bryant. Colin was there, obviously, Colin Baker. He's always there, you know. And um, Sophie Aldrin. Aldred. Aldrin. Is it Aldred? No, it's Sophie Aldred, yeah. That's the one. And a few other people, some few people from Primeval. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually used to enjoy that show. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> I did. I didn't like the American version that they did, or the Canadian version, as I think it really is. Considering I only watched possibly six episodes of the first series, I never saw the Canadian or the American version. So, But I recognised a couple of guys that were from it. It was just the guys from it? Yeah, there wasn't any... There was a severe lack of female guests, actually, unless you obviously Nicola and Sophie, but that's about it. But it was fun, you know, there, were, there was quite a lot of dealers' tables and, and things like that. And um, there was a, a retro games room as well. I like that. You've never seen so many kids enthusiastically find a games room and then be disappointed <laughs> so quickly. <laughs> when you sit them down in front of um, an Activision or an Atari and they're like, what's this? <laughs> This is history. <laughs> it's crap. <laughs> that was the look that they were they were giving their parents. Oh dear. But no, it was that was fun. You know, um, my little boy was desperate to have a go on the Activision, and then about five seconds into it, he just threw it back, walked off, <laughs> spoiled, just spoiled. I know. But yeah, it was fun. It was good. It only took about half a day, and then that was it. You know, then we left. What have you been up to then? I actually not really done much um, since our last episode. I've managed to pick up um, the Blu-ray of UFO, the complete series. I haven't watched it yet. Mm-hmm. It comes with a massive book, like 600 pages, pretty much more than you ever need to know about UFO, I think. Um, Everything but, you need to know then. It's a nice set, so I'm looking forward to sitting down with that. But that's been it, really. But there's been a lot happening uh, in the movie world with old films being rebooted and remade so I wanted to ask you about Highlander which is I know you really enjoyed Highlander the series oh yeah I was a big fan uh, of the TV I still watch it occasionally you know I mean it wasn't the greatest TV show in the world but there was just something about the idea I mean I'm a big fan of the movie the original movie as well but it was the TV show that really cemented it for me so yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of Highlander 
you not you not so much. I think I introduced it to you once. I, yeah, I um I like the original film. I'm not so keen on the sequels. The series I never really got into, even though you kept forcing the videotapes on me like a <laughs> crack dealer. Well, I didn't I didn't hold you down or anything. Virtually. <laughs> Well, you know, I locked the door and stood in front of it, and I wasn't leaving until you watched it. But... Yeah, so I, I don't mind it. It was okay. I remember you liking Adrian Paul's dress sense. Maybe I did. I can't remember. I've maybe I've wiped long, it. Long wi- coats. Maybe I've, I've wiped it out of embarrassment. <laughs> well, it was the early nineties. Right. I, I used to walk around in cowboy boots. So that is true. Mm, that is true. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, a, and a green jacket. I'll just leave that one. <laughs> I've still got that jacket. So how do you think of the film reboot idea? Are they still... I'm, I'm, because at one point they were talking about Ryan Reynolds, weren't they? As yeah. Duncan McLeod. Not Duncan McLeod, the other one, Connor McLeod. I don't know who the actor is. I think one of the John, one of the Wick directors is going to be doing That's right, yeah, I read that, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, they've gone through... I'm not so keen on the idea of Ryan Reynolds. I mean, I know that originally they were talking about James McAvoy, which would have been quite interesting, but mm. at least he's Scottish. Right. Not a French guy pretending to be Scottish. But I don't know. I think it depends on how it's approached. I mean, I've always thought that Highlander could be a, a movie that could benefit from a lot of the advances in technology that we've got now and, and the way that fight scenes are shot now. You know, the, the, the kind of John Wick style, Matrix style way that they can get actors to make it look like they're actually doing what they're supposed to be doing now, you know. Right. And, and the sword play could be good the way that they, that they would do it now. I don't know. I think it's one of those things where I'd reserve judgment until... There were some more facts. What do you think? I'm just concerned. Do you think there is enough, like, Highlander awareness out there these days for a Highlander film? You know, it always worries me when they do, like, an A-team film and you think, who is this for? Because it's nothing like the TV series, so it's not appealing to those people. And the kids of today don't know what A-team was, so it's not appealing mm-hmm. to them. So why use the name A-team? Yeah, I understand. I, I agree with you to a certain extent. I suppose the the only way around that is to is to get a massive star in the in the lead role, and that would be people's way in, wouldn't it? Right. And then hopefully, you know, I mean, Marvel do it all the time, don't they, with their movies? I mean, who'd have thought that that something like Doctor Strange would would be a hit? Because most people don't even know what it is. But you cast Benedict Cumberbatch, and then you've got people going to go and see it because he's in it. You know, yeah. they did the same. They've done the same thing before. You know, this this Mummy reboot that's happening. You've got Russell Crowe and Tom Cruise in it. That people are going to go, aren't they? You know, and this is the beginning of Universal trying to do a Marvel with the Monsters series, right? Yeah, well, they tried it before, didn't they? With um, they tried to kickstart a couple of years ago with that Dracula Untold movie that they seem to have kicked to the yeah, wayside. Yeah, they're pretending that one's not part of the deal. Yeah. They are, yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting. So, shall we move on to our chosen film? Let's do. Okay, so this time we're taking a look at Scars of Dracula, a Hammer film from 1970. So. You have a long history with Hammer films, right? I do indeed. Um, I've talked about it before. Um, my mum was a big horror fan, and she introduced me to to horror movies. And it started with the, you know, the original Universal monster movies, and then we moved on to um, stuff from the seventies, sixties, and seventies. And it was it was mainly Hammer. I was probably too young to watch them again, but you know, and I, I, I remember spending countless hours with my mum watching Hammer movies, and I loved every second of it. You know. So quintessentially British horror, I think mm-hmm. I would say. Right, right. What about you? <clears throat> no, I was surprised actually at how few Hammer horror films I've actually seen. When I thought I had viewed more, it's because the ones I have seen were actually Amicus horror films. Ah, yeah, the the rival. Yeah, the rival to Hammer. So when I was looking through the list, I was like, oh, I've never seen any of these. I've seen Paranoic, the Oliver Reed film. Mm-hmm. 
Um, mm-hmm. And what it turns out, surprisingly enough, is I've actually seen more Hammer comedy films than horror films. <laughs> so in the 50s, Hammer went through this little period of doing comedy films and they did Up the Creek in 1958. I Only Asked, again in 58, Further Up the Creek in 59, and Don't Panic Chaps in 59. And I've seen all of those. I think uh, Don't Panic Chaps is probably my favourite title out of those. <laughs> Don't those Panic films. Chaps! <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, it's not a great film. It's certainly the least of the comedies. Up the Creek is far better than Don't Panic Chaps. And they're always trying to um, copy the Bolting Brothers or the Ealing, you know, the style of, mm-hmm. of comedy films about class, about officers and regular men in the army. And this is before that they, they they found the little niche with the, with, the, with the horror movies. I guess it is, yeah, 58, 59, yeah, because they really started mm-hmm. going in the 60s and 70s, right? Lower, yeah, I think it was um, Dracula. The, very, the yeah, the first Dracula, um, or if it was, if you saw it in America, I think it was called the Horror of Dracula. That was the first one. That was the one that that they suddenly woke up and thought, you know what, we, we do this stuff quite well, don't we? Right. We should do some more. Yeah. I think. And... So by the time we get to 1970, though, this is, I think, pretty late in Hammer's period. It's at the cusp of of um, things were starting to change. I think in in the horror genre, and this is the last of the um, classical period period Dracula movies that they made. I think there were, there were two more after this, but they were set in the 1970s. Okay. And it kind of it kind of shows. I think they kind of don't quite know what to do with it now at this point. Right. So Scars of Dracula is directed by Roy Ward Baker. Stars Christopher Lee as Dracula, Christopher Matthews as Paul Carlson, Dennis Waterman as Simon Carlson, Jenny Hanley as Sarah, Patrick Troughton as Clove, Michael Gwynn as the priest, Michael Ripper as the landlord, and Wendy Hamilton as Julie. Now, Roy Ward Baker uh, has directed quite a number of films by this period. He did mm. It Happened One Night, which personally is, for me, the Titanic movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I'd agree with you really on that good. one. And he also did a great uh, POW film called The One That Got Away that was about a German prisoner of war soldier escaping from British prisoner of war camps. I was reading about Baker, and he said that this one, Scars of Dracula, he feels is his first horror film because previously, the one they did called Vampire Lovers, he views as an exploitation film. Oh, absolutely. Oh. Yeah, yeah. We've got, we got lesbian vampires going on in that one. Right. And this, of course, is Christopher Lee's fifth Hammer horror film at this point. And he looks tired. <laughs> I, I didn't like to say that he looks like a person who's thinking that he hopes the check clears before the patio's finished. <laughs> Well, you heard, you heard the stories of, of um, uh, the Hammer Studios people, you know, basically getting down on their hands and knees and begging him to come back because, you know, the studio needed to pay its bills and we need another Dracula movie. Please, please, please come back. And he's like, oh, all right, then you suppose you've got me over a barrel. Haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I guess we'll go straight into it. So we really open in a traditional style of the castle, Gothic font red cloak and dust on an altar mm-hmm. and then the worst bat and i'm using the term loosely bat rubber thing jiggles onto the screen it's a gravity defying bat actually because it doesn't need to flap its wings much to stay up in the air does it <laughs> I, I i actually started laughing because i thought it was hilarious <laughs> it's this thing and i bet you didn't stop <laughs> So and, it, and it's dripping blood, this fake bat, this it faux is. bat. I thought it's more like puking blood, isn't it? Is it puking blood? Okay. So it pukes blood onto the red dust, which are skeleton forms, f- 
fleshes out until Christopher Lee's Dracula appears. You know, you know, strangely, this is the first time in the Dracula franchise that Hammer did that there isn't usually before all the movies are connected in some way. So, you know, Dracula, he would die at the end of the previous movie. And then at the start of the next movie, it would continue from there. And, you know, they, they someone you'd be seen gathering up his ashes and then something would happen. Then he'd bring him back. This is the first one that has no connection with the previous Dracula movie at all. Huh, interesting. He dies at the end of the previous right. one, and then suddenly he's, his stuff is just there in that room in his castle. Okay. And it's never explained how he got there, and it's never explained where his bats come from. But presumably he has this bat on standby, you know, in case there's no halfwit who accidentally brings him back, which is what usually happens right. in the previous movies. You know, no one's going to bring me back this week, so I better get the bat in. Oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that, that they followed on. Yeah, they, they up to this point they'd always followed on. Oh, yeah. okay. So then we see a guy carrying the woman through the field and woods, and the woman has vampire puncture wounds in her neck, and he enters yeah. a tavern with her and lays her on a table, breaking numerous health and safety codes at this point. It doesn't look the cleanest place, though. No, it, it doesn't. Anchor. Nobody cares. And there's a priest who gives her the last rites. He's got great hair, that priest, doesn't he? It does. Although, doesn't Michael Gwynn always have that hair? What, Mr. Whippy? Yeah. I think he, I, every time I see him, he seems to look like that. So now the landlord, he starts, like, inciting all the villagers to go and destroy the evil. He's really insistent. Michael Ripper's a great actor. He's a great character actor. Yeah, he is, yeah. And the priest is like, well, you know, maybe not. Good idea. But no, the landlord, he's convinced. So Mm -hmm. the women are taken to the church for safekeeping, and a medieval posse is formed. That's right. In broad daylight. In broad daylight. In broad daylight, approaching the castle. There's a guy with an axe. And then... A few rows back, there's a guy with a rake. I don't want to... He's going to do a bit of gardening. You know, Dr- Dracula's let his, he's let his bushes get a bit unkempt. You know, he's got... A... I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the one carrying the rake. You wonder, whether, is there a guy further back carrying a hoe? No funny remarks. Yeah. I don't know. All the women are back in the church. Yeah. Yeah. But then I thought, well, a rake. A rake is like 22 little stakes. So maybe that's... Yeah, but they're metal. They're metal, though, aren't oh, they? Oh, stakes have to be wooden, right, to kill Dracula. Yeah, you can't, that's right. You can't kill a vampire this with a metal. Stupid weapon. Stupid weapon. No, there's, a, there's an interesting thing with the guy with the rake later on we'll, we'll get to when, when they're destroying the castle, or supposedly destroying the castle. Okay. But we'll, we'll get to it when we... <laughs> so they approach the castle, and everyone hides behind rocks. Very well as well. They yeah, hide very well, yeah, yeah. don't they? And the uh, landlord knocks on the door, and mm-hmm. the door is opened by Patrick Troughton as Clove. It was basically Igor, right? Can we say That's that? That's right. Yeah, we, with eyebrows. With eyebrows, right? He's got some eyebrows. And the landlord says, I, I'm on my own. There's nobody else here. <laughs> Which, if I was Clove, would instantly make me suspicious. <laughs> well, he does give it a little look around, doesn't he? And, and he, he sees that the, the gentleman is indeed alone. So he wasn't lying. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to mm-hmm. open that door. He's sp- suspicious. So he closes mm-hmm. it. And then the landlord plays a blinder he says open the door i've got something for you <laughs> oh that age-old uh, routine eh? <laughs> and, and clove goes oh got something for me well i really should open the door then and he opens the door and they all rush in what do you think clove's hoping he's got a rake <laughs> i was thinking an eyebrow trimmer eyebrow trimmer maybe he uses the rake for that <laughs> now that guy's not giving up his rake he's not stupid <laughs> right so they rush in and they start setting fire to the castle. Meanwhile... Uh, do you know, it's, it's, it's surprising that this castle doesn't go up quicker than it does, really, isn't it? Because it appears to be made from cardboard and polystyrene. That's right, yeah. 
<laughs> it does wobble if occasionally. Doesn't and it, yeah, and it's the smallest heat. castle I've ever seen. <laughs> it's, it's more a castellette. Well, you know, maybe maybe that's the only part of it that's that's livable. Yeah, because you know, Dracula's been around for a while, hasn't he? You know, and maybe the villagers do this every week. Well, a little bit, a, yeah. a different bit of the castle yeah. every week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> possibly, possibly. So the bat then goes, and there's a lesson in this: bats make very bad alarm clocks. Because <laughs> the bat tries to wake Dracula up, at least assume that's what it's doing by squeaking at him, and Dracula just carries on snoozing. He'd be better off puking on his face again, wouldn't he? Yeah, you think that would work? That's a good idea. So mm. they set fire to the castle, and then. The landlord says, that's enough. <laughs> Not quite. Well, they start throwing these barrels in through the windows, don't they, and setting them on fire. Yeah, but then they're told, no, too much now. You've gone too far. This is the callback with the guy with the rake. Did you spot him no. in the background? What was he doing? He's just hacking away at a window. With a rake. And there's, he's not making any headway with this window, <laughs> but he, he's carrying on hacking at this window with his rake. Nothing, nothing's happening or anything, but, you know, he's going for it. He's milking it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and maybe this gives evidence to what you said, that they do this every week, because maybe he's saying, that's enough, got to save some for next week. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Don't get that right too damaged, do you? No. You're going to need that next week. No, you don't. Mm. So... You, you know when they were, they were walking away from the castle and they do that um, that big shot of the castle and it's on fire? Yeah. The thing that popped into my head was the line from Monty Python where they're all looking up at the castle and they're going, Camelot, Camelot, Camelot. And then one guy goes, it's only a model. <laughs> yeah, you don't need that joke here. <laughs> it's painfully obvious. <laughs> So the villagers decide to go back to the church to where they left the women because, you know, they'll be safe in the church. But when they open the doors, the bat wibble wobbles out across the sky. It does. And all the women are dead. Yeah, and quite gruesomely as well. He's got an eyeball hanging out. There's blood everywhere, yeah. necks ripped apart. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for the innkeeper to go, oh, bugger. <laughs> well, no, what happens is the priest goes, the devil has won. <laughs> and I mean, it was like, one what? Oh, oh, you mean one W-O-N, not O-N-E. Okay. So, so, he has one bat. There it is. Well, we're not going to get into that again. He's, he's one. Is this going back to the... Surely he's all done that. back to the, um, the, the bowl full of piss jar full of Jack Daniels or whatever. <laughs> back in blue That's right, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we cut to a birthday mm-hmm. party with Dennis Waterman. Yeah, and Jenny Hanley. Looking about 12. Yeah. It took me a little while to realise it was a birthday party because it seems to be very formal like a wedding it does a bit isn't it because they're sat in the middle together aren't they like it is a wedding yeah he's giving a speech yeah that's right yeah are we going to talk about his accent this is his uh royal dramatic arts accent well you say that that's the way you want to put it go on there's a few h's missed isn't there well yeah because this is his attempt at his idea <laughs> accent. did you did you know that um famously the director went on record at the time and said that he felt that he was incredibly miscast no i didn't he was right he is right and also there's a link to don't panic chaps which starred george cole ah. and george cole and dennis waterman would later go on to do minder which 13 episodes of was directed by Roy Ward Baker. Uh, it all goes round and round, doesn't it? Do you remember he went up to him and said, hey, do you remember that time I directed you in Scars? And he was like, no, 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 I wasn't in that. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, maybe. some other guy, that wasn't me. <laughs> but in a thick cockney Yeah, accent. leave it there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he looks really young in it. He's very young, yeah. So it must be one of his, well, not his first, because I know he did kid stuff. Mm. Um, Possibly one of his first adults, if you could call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. So then we cut to Paul Carson, which is 
Simon Carson's brother, mm-hmm. the person that Dennis Wasserman plays, and he's in bed with the most annoying woman on the planet. Now, when this started, and you get that close-up of that sign on the wall that says "Never something like never put off today what you can do tomorrow or something, right. and you get a little comedy um, little comedy piece of music, don't you? Yes. As, as they're scrolling down to them on the bed. I thought I was watching a Carry On movie again at that point. I, I've written in my notes, this whole film is like Carry On Dracula. <laughs> It's like, you know those films that they made in this period, the, the Jack the Lad films? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- it's like those met a horror film and came together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's got the sauciness, Jack the Lad, knowing of one of those films, but it's got the Dracula and the horror tropes as well. Right. Well, the funny thing is that this was the point in, in Hammer were to try and combat that, that wane in, in the way that they were doing things. They started to introduce more and more nudity and right. more sauciness into it, you know. So we get, a few, we get a few bottom shots here, don't we? Which is what the Carry On films did around the same period. Absolutely, yeah. So that woman is annoying, though, because she's like, don't leave, I'll scream if you leave. Yeah, she accuses, she says that she'll tell her dad that he's interfered with her. I mean, in all fairness, there was a lot of that going on in the 70s, wasn't there? Apparently, I wouldn't know. <laughs> then it goes, yeah, because she actually does do that because as he's leaving the Burgermeister, mm-hmm. oh, I, can't, I was going to do a burger joke, but I won't. I, would, I, I knew you were, and I thought, if he's not going to do it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> they, they live next door to the Cobb Salad Meister. That's going to get cut out. <laughs> so the Burgermeister turns up, and he, she starts saying that he took advantage of her. And he shakes his fist at him, doesn't he? He goes, why are you? Yeah, and then as he runs away. So Paul escapes and goes to the party that his brother's mm-hmm. at. Why he goes there, I'm not quite sure, because that's the first place anyone's going to look for him. You'd think, you'd think, oh, where's he going to be? He's going to be where his brother is, isn't he? Yeah, because it's an important birthday party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Paul gives Sarah a portrait of her that he's made himself somehow, a little yeah. one. Mm-hmm. And Simon gives her a ring, doesn't he? So they're kind of vying for affection. There's a kind of threesome going on. But um, Dennis Waterman's character kind of feels like he's, he's, he's in his brother's shadow a bit, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, because his brother's the, like, the, the daring one, mm-hmm. the Jack the Lad, the one that gets the women all the time. And he certainly does in this film. He does indeed, but I mean, in all fairness, Dennis Waterman's only got away about another 25 minutes and then the, the way will be clear for him, really, won't it? That's true. Yeah. That's true, because... Oh, spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. We <laughs> <laughs> cut all that out. Yeah. He's going to be a lot cut out of this. After he's given the pocket portrait to Sarah... Speaking of which, do you think... Don't you find it slightly strange that he gives her a picture of herself? Why? What else would he give her? A picture of himself? Why would she want a picture of herself? I mean, if someone gave you a birthday present and you opened it and it was a picture of you in a nice frame, wouldn't you be like, oh, where's my box set? (laughs) Best present ever. Oh, I forgot you like to look at yourself, don't you? (laughs) No. Um... Yeah, I guess I never thought of it that way. Why would you do that? Mm. Well, the, so it works in the story. <laughs> well, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> if it was a picture of Simon... Because <laughs> he takes it back off her, doesn't he? Because it's got a crack in it. That's right. And so as he takes it back, the Burgermeister's guards turn up and mm. Paul has to make a run. F- and he jumps through the window and he jumps into a horse and carriage. It becomes uncontrollable. Yeah. Now, is it, is, it, is it nighttime now or is it daytime? It's always kind of vague, isn't it? Because you never quite know. It's vague, and I think a lot of this is night for day shooting. Yeah, Hammer were known so for that. that. It's cut costs. So they shoot, shoot in the day and just stick a blue filter on the lens or whatever. 
I'll not even bother sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even bother. I think the rule is if Just... Dracula's walking around in the woods, then it's night time. Regardless of what the sky says, it's night time. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. I remember that. Yeah. So the horse and cat goes breaking through barriers, bushes and trees, and then Paul gets knocked off by some branches. He gets what? Knocked off. <laughs> Does he? <laughs> Paul gets knocked down off the horse and carriage by some branches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's uh, he's stuck in the woods by himself, isn't he? He is. So now he has to wander around, and mm-hmm. he comes across the tavern that we saw at the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. And Julie's there. He is indeed. Julie the barmaid. Mm-hmm. No, and she lets him in. She does, doesn't she? She's a bit, uh, she's a bit saucy, isn't she? And she flirts with him. I mean, like women just keep throwing themselves at him. Well, you know, he's a he's a good-looking guy. <laughs> ah, so then the landlord comes down. <laughs> he's, he's not happy, is he? No, he's very he's unhappy for a number of reasons. One, because he knows that this guy is trying it on with Julie. Although Julie's not related to the landlord. No, he's he's just some some girl that he he employed. Right, and I thought it was a daughter at first, yeah. but it's not. Don't you think she would find it suspicious when she wandered into this town and, and there were no women in this town at all? Yeah, well, I guess she thought, well, I'm lucky here. All these jobs. The <laughs> way you were going with that then. <laughs> but he's also annoyed because. This is the weird thing. Suddenly now he's annoyed by everybody who turns up at the tavern, who's not local to if they're it. Not, if they're not a face he recognises, then, then he's not happy, is he? No. So he's like, get out, get out, go away. And then um, kicks him out. Mm-hmm. And she, she tells, does she tell Paul there's a castle? She does. She says uh, there's a castle up the road. So the landlord, who's trying to get rid of everybody and stop him, I guess, going to the castle, ends up pushing everybody to the castle. I'm making a bit... If he had just welcomed everybody mm-hmm. in and made everybody drink, things would be so much easier for himself. But it's a, it's a slippery slope, isn't it? You let one in, you've got to let them all in. Oh, all right, Nigel Farage. That <laughs> came out so wrong. <laughs> that is not what I meant. <laughs> so he's, he's wandering around in the woods again and he finds a mysterious black coach, doesn't he? Right. And what do you do when you find an abandoned mysterious black coach? Well, obviously, you get in it and have a bit of a kip, don't you? Yeah, of course you do. Who wouldn't? Mm. Then Clove turns up with a blooded her and takes the carriage to the castle. With a, with a what? A rabbit. A blooded her? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Patrick <laughs> Troughton turns up with a blooded rabbit and takes the carriage to the castle. And uh, he sleeps through the whole thing until they get there, doesn't he? Paul does, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, not Clove. Because <laughs> <laughs> that would make driving the carriage really difficult. <laughs> that's the horse does where it's going i guess i suppose i mean they're, they're evil horses aren't they so generally or these are specifically well i mean if they're working for drags you may, no, no, you may sound been... like all horses were evil have you ever been kicked by one no have you no but i bet it hurts I had a lot of things that have not happened to me that could happen <laughs> could hurt thanks for that <laughs> that's a really short story <laughs> i never said it was going anywhere it's just a question okay yeah. But something that is going somewhere is this carriage. Oh, that was that was expertly done. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so it ends up at the castle. They end up on a sound stage. Made of cardboard and polystyrene. Paul gets out and knocks on the castle door. And another woman greets him. And another attractive woman, of course, called Tanya. She appears from nowhere as well. He gets out of the coach and then the coach disappears mysteriously. You never see it ride off or anything. Right. And then he turns around and she's just standing there. <laughs> she reminded me of um, Carry On Screaming. Is it Fenella Fielding, is it? And Carry yes. On Screaming? Yeah. Yeah. She even looks like her in the dress that she's wearing. And yeah. The way she's talking. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They flirt, as we 
seems to be the common practice every time mm-hmm. he meets a woman. And then ja- uh, Jack, Dracula turns up. <laughs> and then Dracula turns up. Jack? Yeah. Hang on, let me check my notes. Okay. <laughs> Dracula Please turns up. <laughs> so Paul's uneasy. He mm-hmm. senses something's not quite right here. The fact that Dracula looks weird might be a clue. I think I think um, Christopher Lee's sensing that there's something not quite right here as well. Yeah, <laughs> the, look, the look on his face. Although he does get lines in this one, usually he doesn't get get many lines. There's a few lines that Deal. they've thrown in um, actually from the novel. Oh, okay. I kind of get the impression though that that's trying to appease him a bit. Oh, we'll give you some some lines from the novel to do. Oh, all right. I wonder. <laughs> Don't forget that patio you got working on. <laughs> it's not going to pay for itself. Exactly. Absolutely. That's what the, the um, Roy Ward Baker's working on at the weekend for him. <laughs> right. Just laying him down. Yeah, exactly. So he forces him to stay in the night, doesn't he? Although he explains that some bastards ruined his castle, doesn't he? Right, he does. He moans mm-hmm. about the villagers. And uh, Paul leaves. And then Dracula, does he suck Tanya's neck at this point? He does. He gives her a bit of a nibble. Gives her a bit of nibble, and the orchestra just goes crazy at this point. Well, they, that, that's, a, that's a hammer thing. You know, whenever there's a bit of Dracula nibbling going on, you've got to ramp up the soundtrack, obviously. So Paul's running a bath now. Well, he's, not, well, he's, got, a, he's got a jug and a bit of water, hasn't he? It's hardly a bath. Take what you can get in those days, and clearly he was. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That little bit of water from that jug is not going to help with those diseases that he's probably got. Can you imagine, though, that's probably his hundredth jug? <laughs> it's like four in the morning, he's been doing it since 11 and just pouring this little jug of water in the bath because it's going cooler every time. He's like, I'm never going to get it hot. As you say, you take what you can get. And then Tanya enters in a gown. He does. And she says, love me. He doesn't need telling twice, does he? No, no, they instantly kiss. They have a lay down. They have a bit of a sleep. They have a bit of a snooze. Very Mm -hmm. popular in this film. Lots of snoozing. Mm -hmm. And then Dracula wakes them up. Paul leaps up and the first thing he does is try to strangle Dracula. (laughs) Did you notice that? He doesn't even go, oh, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm in bed with your wife. He doesn't go, oh, what's that? The first thing he does is leaps for Dracula's neck and tries to strangle him. Well, he's obviously been in this position before a few times. And I suppose the fight or flight mechanism kicks in, doesn't it? Okay. You know, he's been caught, he's been caught with other people's wives before. He's not taking the risk. This guy looks a bit shady to begin with anyway, so he's, you know, he's not going to risk it, is he? Okay, so his first response is... <laughs> strangle the guy. Okay. <laughs> But Dracula knocks him out. Don't know why he just knocks him out and doesn't do anything. Just punches him and falls over. He's got to finish her off, hasn't he, first? He does, and then uh, he starts to stab the woman. With with the greatest knife ever. I don't think Dracula should have pointy objects around. But uh, as I keep telling you, it's got to be wooden. Yeah, but it's going to still injure him. But he's immortal and he'll regenerate, won't he? Quickly enough. Or he'll just get the bat to puke on him again. Okay. That seems to do the trick, doesn't it? So we finish with a stabbing. Mm -hmm. And then... Eventually, Paul wakes up and sees blood on the bed and realises he's got to get out of there now because they're going to blame him. Mm-hmm. And he's obviously been in that position before as well. And this time, it wasn't just the world's worst period. Oh! So he thinks, oh no, I'll escape by tying the drapes together that are about a foot long and use them to get down out of this window that's about 5,000 feet high. Good plan. He does look down, doesn't he? He sees one window below. And then the rest of it just goes on forever, doesn't it? With, with mist yeah. at the bottom. You can't even see the bottom of this castle. Where else, where else is I he guess, go? Yeah, the door's locked. Mm-hmm. He's no choice, right? Mm-hmm. So he ties the drapes to the bed, swings out, and swings in through the window. 
into another tinier room. Which unfortunately happens to be Dracula's bedroom. Ooh. And it's locked, so he can't get out. He pulls the lid off the coffin, and there's Dracula. But Dracula's still snoozing, because we've discovered mm-hmm. he's a really deep sleeper. He is. But then that, then we cut away, then. We don't, we don't know what happens, do we, yet? That's right. We cut back to the tavern. Mm-hmm. So he might survive. He might survive. Okay. <laughs> he might. Dracula's sleeping. Maybe he's just sat there next to him. Maybe he climbed in with him. Read him a bedtime story. It's worth a try. So we go back to the tavern, mm-hmm. and two cops have turned up with a warrant. Oh, they're great, aren't they? They're great, these guys. For Paul's arrest. Because the Burgermeister has made a formal complaint about Paul. Mm-hmm. Attacking his daughter, mm-hmm. Julie, the, the innkeeper tells them. Yeah, she tells them, or he tells them that. Oh, he, he went to the castle, and they go, oh, "Where's the castle?" And they go, oh, "It's quite a long way off." And they're like, "Ooh, long oh, way." Eh? Is, it, is it the distance <laughs> that bothers them, or the fact that it's the castle that he's gone to? I think it's the distance. I think that it's implied that these guys are lazy, oh, don't do their jobs okay. properly. I was wondering whether it's because the castle has a reputation they decided not to. There. Well, there's that other bit, isn't there, where he offers them beer and they go, Ooh, we've got wine in the other place. Yeah, that's true. And he, goes, and, and he says, well, here you get beer. Right. So they decide not to... Actually, what's the point of that scene? Because <laughs> it's not like you ever see them again, is it? It plays no importance to the... Yeah, what is the point of that scene? It adds another five minutes onto the film. <laughs> Works for me. It's another comedy moment. It is, yeah. You know, the two comedy coppers, right. you know. One of them actually does sound like he's walked straight off the set of Minder, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Oh, way. <laughs> you know, whatever that was. He's from Carwell. He's a farmer. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a long, it's a long walk <laughs> to the castle. Oh, why don't you just take your combine harvester? What's going on with your accents, Paul? Look, look, look. I may have lived down south for quite a long time now, but I'm still essentially a northerner, <laughs> so don't ask me to do a southern accent. Okay. <laughs> well, you did a southern one, but way <laughs> south in the other direction. It's too, too far, far, was it? I yeah, went too far. Did. So we go back to the castle and Clove is cleaning up the room and he finds the portrait. As he's chopping up ten. Yeah, as he's slicing and dicing, he finds the portrait that Paul had dropped that shows uh, Sarah. He's whistling a merry tune as he's doing his chopping as well, isn't he? He is, he's enjoying his work. He is. And, but yeah. there's something about the portrait. He's, he finds her very attractive. You know what he's going to do with that later, don't you? Back in his room. Try to repair it. So, <laughs> so we, go, we go back to uh, the woods again. And Simon and Sarah are now searching for Paul. Just wandering around in the daylight. <laughs> but they, they get a lift, a ride from uh, a carriage, and they tell the man what they're looking for. And the man's like, you don't want to stay here. You want to leave. He's weird, that bloke, isn't he? They're all weird. Yeah, but this, this guy's extra weird. Extra weird, okay. He's like, mm, I don't know about this kind of stuff. <laughs> but he won't explain. Like, annoyingly, he doesn't, you, know, you don't want to stay here because there's a murderer killing all the women. He, just, he doesn't explain. No. No. Very vague about the problems of this village. <laughs> and so Simon and Sarah go into the tavern, and yet again they get a really horrible welcome from the landlord, who clearly does not like customers. When they walk in, everyone stops, and I just I was waiting for the guy to start playing the piano, like he brings him alone. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it is like that. And then so Simon goes to the landlord and says, uh, oh, we've been travelling all day. Can I have some brandy? Because everyone knows when you've been travelling all day, brandy's what you need. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. That's what I do. But the, 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 the innkeeper's fine with them, isn't he? And, uh, you know, he talks about them. Are you students, aren't you? Yeah, he's fine until they start asking about Paul. Yeah. And he's like, get out. Yes. <laughs> but Simon, he's smart. He knows that something's going on. He's in, you know, he's, he's used to uh, dealing with geezers who are a little bit woo, a little bit woo, isn't he? Well, that's later in his career, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're... <laughs> I really want to lay off these accents. 
So um, Julie actually tells them that Paul went to the castle. That's right, yeah. They get kicked out of the inn, and um, the bats walk over in the trees, isn't it? Uh-huh. Hovering. On a wire. On a stick. On <laughs> a stick. And um, so they're, they're, they're walking through the woods, and then we go back to, to Clove, who's back in his room, washing his hands, getting ready for whatever it is he's going to do with the picture. Repair it. With some special glue. So then Simon and Paul, they walk from bright sunshine onto a soundstage that is dark. Right, because his night has fallen very quickly. He does. And then we get a bat attack, don't we? With, which consists of someone launching it from one side of the studio <laughs> to the other. With a ferocious throw. <laughs> it is, yeah. It looks like he's going to hit one of them in the face at one point. Simon and Sarah panic. Run to the castle, right? They run inside, don't they? And Sarah collapses into Dracula's arm. Who wouldn't? Exactly. He, he gives he gives her some wine, doesn't he? Because she's a bit faint. And then he he just carries her off. And then Clove comes out and starts making a bed up for for Simon. Right. Wouldn't you be like, hang on a minute, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, why am I down here? Yeah. Can I not go with you know where she's going? <laughs> yeah. Why why is Dracula going with my girl? He just picks her up and walks out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> And Simon seems perfectly fine about this. Maybe he's tired, you know. He's been walking around the woods all day, hasn't he? In the hot sunshine. Yes. Uh, you know. But then Simon starts questioning Clove about Dracula. Mm-hmm. And they talk about the fire. And I think he, he gives him a drink, doesn't he? And I doesn't, I, there's kind of the impression that Clove drug, drugs him. There is, yeah. Knocks him out. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Dracula goes to Sarah and he approaches her neck and he's about to have a good old chomp. When he yep. sees the cross. You think by this point, what, we're five, six movies in now? He'd have learned, wouldn't he? First thing he'd have been done is like, Clove, get rid of that, will you? Yeah, right, check her check for jewelry. Check her, check her for crucifixes, you know, small change. Pat her down. <laughs> he'd pat her down, all right. Dracula tells Clove to get the mm-hmm. cross. And as Clove is getting the cross, he recognises Sarah from the portrait. And he won't do it, will he? No, he won't do it. He runs out. Mm-hmm. And there's some fantastic acting from Christopher Lee in this, in this part, isn't there? He gives him a look as he runs out. He goes, oh, you little... F- <laughs> <laughs> why, I are Yeah, that. wait till I get my hands on you. <laughs> Done this to me too many times. Uh, and then morning dance, mm-hmm. and Simon's bringing Sarah breakfast in bed. He's got some broth, hasn't he? Yes. Um, Sarah says she has a bad night with dreams, but and it's funny because Simon doesn't actually ask her what these dreams were or anything about them. But he's a Victorian man, he doesn't care, does he? Doesn't none at all, bothered. No, no, no. So Simon then goes exploring, mm-hmm. and hears a noise from a room. He thinks maybe it's Paul, so he kicks the door in, but it's Clove's room, <laughs> and he finds the portrait. <laughs> He finds Clover in the corner, hunched over the portrait, going... Because <laughs> <laughs> it's tricky to repair because it's small. <laughs> he needs a lot of light. He needs a lock on that door, doesn't he? The Clover attacks Simon. Mm-hmm. And it's revealed that Clover's actually been whipped. He has, hasn't he? He's got, he's got, uh, he's got a bit, a bit yeah. of a bad back. And then Clover spills the beans really quickly. He wastes no time saying, the broth, mm-hmm. it's the broth, the broth. It's maybe but too how late. He, what, how he actually stops her from drinking the broth. It did make me laugh because he just what is it? He, th- he just gets a rock, doesn't he, and just throws it. <laughs> I mean, it's a cracking shot, but can you imagine it if you works. missed it, he hit her right in the face. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, oh dear, um, Dracula, look what you've done. <laughs> I mean, all you had to do is run in and go, put the broth down, will you? <laughs> so then they make their escape on another mm-hmm. horse and mm-hmm. carriage and take it to the tavern. And there, Simon begs for help from the people in the tavern. To help rescue mm-hmm. Paul. But they don't want to know, do they? No, they don't want to know. Now, the landlord at the beginning of this 
film was also gung ho about everything, and now he's got nothing to lose because everyone that he knows is dead. Now decides he doesn't want to do anything. Now he's got rid of his wife. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's not interested. So what you're saying is that this was an all uh, elaborate plot on his point to to get rid of his wife. And what happens when he gets rid of his wife? He moves in Julie. This is true, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. all the other women are gone. He brings her in from the next village next door. Yeah, sets her up upstairs, and then gets jealous when um, when the guy turns up and kicks him out, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I never thought of that before. There you go. You, you've got a twisted mind, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> you go to some dark places, don't you? Do, do you sleep well at night? It is a horror film. <laughs> it is a horror film. So they refuse to help, pushing Simon and Sarah out, but the priest follows. He does, doesn't he? He feels bad, doesn't he? And, yeah, he does. And he says, wait till dawn and we'll help. I'll help you. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to a scene where we, Julie wants to leave. Yeah, she says, you're all a bunch of nutters. I'm off. She doesn't believe in this nonsense about bats. Mm-hmm. So if she goes for a wander off in the woods. And we cut to back to the castle and Dracula is punishing Clove again with a hot burning sword. This bit looks great though, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, this this bit was shot really well, and and um, the sword looks good, and Patrick Troughton sells it, and so does Christopher Lee. It's the only time in the movie he actually looks like he he's, he's actually on for it, you know? Right. <laughs> so, no, I agree. It looks good. Mm-hmm. It's a good scene. It's the most emotionally packed scene that there is in the film mm-hmm. that requires Christopher Lee to do it to emote a lot and for Clove to react. Yeah. Yeah. And they would never have got away with, with this level of violence in some of the previous Hammer movies. So you can tell that this is the point now where the the ramping up the ramping up the nudity, the ramping up the the violence, just because right. just because people are getting tired of the formula. Okay. Because you would never have got that scene in one of the previous ones. So they're looking for something to to create mm-hmm. more interest. So the priest now explains that Dracula is a vampire and has control over bats. He, he gives him the rules, doesn't he? The vampire rules. Sir then now finally explains what a dream was about, and they realise it was the crucifix that saved her. Yeah. Cut back to Julie, who's wandering through the woods. Where is she going? But, but before we cut back to Julie, we cut back to Dracula back at his castle again, don't we? And the bat comes and tells him that there's... He goes, oi, there's a bit of stuff in the woods for you. You want to get a move on, mate? So she's walking in the woods, and we know we know it's night time because we we hear a, an owl hoot. Okay, good. So now we've got the rules. Now if we see Dracula walking and owls hooting, it's night time, mm-hmm. regardless of the how bright the sky is. Don't don't look at the blue bits between the trees. That's okay, all right. Trick of the light. So she sees a horse and carriage with no driver, and she mm-hmm. looks in as you would. I'm surprised she didn't have a kip. Clove pushes her in and takes her to the castle. He does. And at which point Dracula bites her neck. He does. He has. Uh, he has a good old nosh on that one, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. Well, you would. You would, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so now we see Simon and the priest make their way to the castle, and they see a bat, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the priest reacts badly to it. And Simon says, "Look, just just go back, look after Sarah." The priest feels like he's failed, but Simon's like, "No, no, no! You've done what you can," which is absolutely nothing. And he says, go on, take her back to that church. You know the one where all those yeah, other yeah. women got killed. <laughs> and no point does the priest go, well, it wasn't too safe the last time. He just keeps that quiet. Well, he just wants to go back, doesn't he? So Simon enters the castle. He, again, he tricks Clove into opening the door again, He tricks he? Clove by telling, uh, what does he say? Does he say anything or do we just see that bit? How does he trick Clove? 
can't remember what he says, but he tri- I know he tricks it. I've got something to show you. Something it is. <laughs> maybe close thinking. Maybe, maybe this time it's that. Maybe it's true <laughs> this time. So he said he makes a deal. If you show me where Paul is being kept, I'll give you the portrait of Sarah. And Clover then shows Simon. Shows him the window, doesn't he? Because you can't actually get into Dracula's mm-hmm. room from the doorway. You have to go out through the window because Dr- obviously Dracula up. can transport himself out the room. Well, we see that later, don't we? Oh, we'll get right. to that bit. So then Simon gets some rope, mm-hmm. grabs a table leg as a weapon, and puts on some roads through beads. Mm-hmm. And he swings out the window. Yeah, he goes down. And he grabs a gargoyle. But Clove is a rotter, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. because Simon had to give Clove the portrait before he went through, instead of giving it him oh. after, which would have been more sensible. Easy mistake to make. Classic mistake. So he's climbing down and he, he snags his rosary on the gargoyle, doesn't he? So then right. he uses that. Oh, I hate it when you snag your rosary on the gargoyle. Uh, oh, I've done it so many times. Brings tears to the eyes. And then... Clove starts cutting the rope. So Simon panics. So he has to climb down quick. But he manages and gets into the window. And he finds Dracula in the coffin. Mm-hmm. And is about to stake him when <laughs> <laughs> Dracula's eyes glow red and Simon is knocked out. What's going on here? It's a great effect, don't you think? No. <laughs> What's going on here? Well, yeah, it, it shows you that Dracula is ever vigilant, even when he's asleep. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was waiting for some really good explanations so that I can go, oh, you've convinced me. As far as I'm aware, it's the only time you ever see this particular power, you know, that Dracula's got. Oh, it is? I'm pretty sure that that's the only time you ever see it. Okay. Well, it's convenient <laughs> that it took this moment to appear. Obviously. Well, you, you know, you never know when your undead powers are going to manifest, do you? You know? Okay. Maybe so. Sarah awakes in the church and sees the bat that's now here going to attack her. The priest throws a candle at it. <laughs> well, it's more than he did last time. I suppose. And the bat rips his face apart. It does. I kept thinking, all you have to do is just kick it. Yeah. Just give it a boot. Cut the string. Cut the string. Because <laughs> there is never a moment when this bat is not funny. Oh, no, it's the best thing in it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's the best actor. <laughs> oh, that's harsh. Sorry, it was. That's it harsh. was. It was cruel. That's harsh on Dennis. No need for that. So Simon wakes up, but Dracula has flown the nest. Mm-hmm. And Sarah's running back to the castle now, isn't she? Yeah, why? Where else are you going to go? There's only three places in this whole <laughs> area, isn't there? You've got the inn. She can't go back there. There's the church. There doesn't seem to be any houses in this village. Or there's the castle. That's your choice. You know? So Simon finds Paul dead, hanging from a spike. Quite nasty, that as well, isn't it? Yeah. Again, something that you wouldn't get, I don't think, in previous Hammer movies. Hmm, Okay. And Dracula appears and asks about Sarah. Simon says, oh, she's safe. But the bat mm-hmm. arrives and says otherwise. And he says, I think, I think not. Well, very good, Christopher Lee impression. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. I worked on that one. Oh, good. So then Sarah arrives at the castle. Mm-hmm. And she runs into Clove. And he says, don't be frightened. I, I just want to help you. But then Dracula appears and says, get your hands off her. You guys all cut me. Was that cut me? <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> I'll keep trying. <laughs> okay, you keep doing that. Um, so Dracula turns up and knocks Clove down, like he said, but the cross stops him from attacking Sarah, and she runs away. And he, he has that look on his face again, doesn't he? Oh, those bloody crosses every time. Yeah, but this time he's got a way around it. Mm-hmm. He gets the bat to grab the cross. <laughs> Why didn't he do that before? He just thought of it. He's like, wait a minute. This bat's overworked. He is. He's carrying this film. 
<laughs> he's carrying something, rabies probably. So then Clover runs back in, doesn't he? Yeah, and then he's going to help Simon, so he mm-hmm. throws the rope back out for mm-hmm. Simon, mm-hmm. right? And then Simon can climb up. That's right. So now Clove decides he's going to help Sarah and attacks Dracula. That's right. It doesn't go well for him, though, does it? No, it doesn't, because then Dracula just swipes him aside and over the parapet of the fake castle to fall the two foot to the ground and die. Have you noticed that when people stand too close to the, to the edge of the battlements, the shadow appears on the sky? Oh, I didn't. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> That's funny. Must be those thick clouds, you know. Oh, it's a pea super out there. <laughs> now, for a moment, we have a strange section, which also happened earlier in the film, where Sarah starts to approach Dracula as if she wants it. Well, he's using his powers of hypnotism. Is that what he's doing? He's hypnotised. Yeah, him. yeah. That, that is a power that he has all the way through the movies. Yeah, he can hypnotise you with his vampire eyes. Okay. You, you wonder what I was going to say then. You wonder where you were going. You thought I was reaching. <laughs> yeah. So Simon sees this, mm-hmm. and he looks around, and he grabs a piece of metalwork, rips it off from the wall of the castle, javelins it towards Dracula, which spears him in the chest. But Dracula's like, oh, is that all you've this got? is going to do nothing to me. Mm-hmm. He grabs it just... As lightning strikes the metal rod. What are you going to do? You know, you, he should have checked the weather forecast before he went out on those battlements, shouldn't he, really? Really should have. Yeah. But he didn't. And he bursts into flames. Everyone knows that you don't hold up a metal rod in a thunderstorm, especially after you've just pulled it out of your body. Constant classic mistakes that he keeps making in this film, Dracula. It's amazing he got to this number of films, really, isn't it? Although he does die in every single one of them, so... Yeah. He's not, so like, he's not lucky. Not really. No. No. And then they, they flick a little match off this model, don't they? Uh, and he's going, yes. he's going, ah. And then they have a hug and that's it. And that brings us to the end of Scars of Dracula. Now, before we discuss our feelings about this film, I thought it'd be interesting to see what was released around the same time. Mm-hmm. And I went with the UK release date because it's a British film. Sure. So, weirdly... In the same week, The Horror of Frankenstein was released by Hammer. The Horror of Frankenstein? Yes. Well, they, they were quite prolific at that time, weren't they? I mean, they were knocking them out left, right and centre. Seems very odd to release a, you know, a competitive film in the same time. But maybe Hammer didn't look at it as a competitive film. Maybe they thought, well, the more stuff we got on there, the more likely we can pay our bills kind of thing. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe it was done as a double bill too in some places. Well, I know that they used to shoot back to back. They didn't. They, they didn't used to make one movie at a time. They'd make two using similar casts and stuff. Now, I'm not saying that that horror of Frank because I can't remember the horror of Frankenstein off the top of my head. I don't think it had a crossover cast, but they did tend to shoot two movies at the same time. Now, which probably explains why they were so prolific in releasing things you know constantly and wow. I, I know that at this point in time by 1970 the studio was in trouble so maybe they're just trying to recoup as much as they possibly can yeah maybe also released was the rise and rise of michael rimmer oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. scrooge the, oh the, the musical yes and the private life of sherlock holmes some better movies there <laughs> i didn't like to say <laughs> No, no, yeah. you can say it. It's fine. Yeah, competition <laughs> was uh, tough. <laughs> well, I suppose they thought that, you know, Hammer had a, um, a pre-existing audience, I suppose, even though it was starting to dwindle at this point. Right. So, I mean, in, in some respects, I suppose the quality didn't matter as much as the product, you know? Yeah, I guess. But, but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So, 
What's your opinion of this film? <laughs> you can ask me first then. Yeah. Well, it's a split decision as far as I'm concerned because, you know, there's there's not – I don't think there's a Hammer film made that I can't get some kind of enjoyment out of. Okay. And this is – you know, I, I enjoy this movie. I've seen it a number of times and I do enjoy it, but I know it, it's rubbish. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um. It was it was made at a time, as I say, when when Hammer was starting to decline, and they were starting to throw in you know new things to try and slow that decline down, you know, by throwing in a little bit of nudity and a bit more gore, and and it just you know the budgets were slashed, and yeah, I read uh, that it was had a very tight shooting schedule and a very low budget, and that Roy yeah. Ward Baker hoped that if the film moved at a great pace, nobody would notice the problems with it. Mm-hmm. I suppose back in them days, maybe you didn't. A horror fan wouldn't have noticed. It's only in hindsight where we can watch it more than once. You know, you didn't, back then you go and see it on the cinema, and that would be the probably the one. Unless you went back to the cinema to watch it again, I can't yeah. imagine many people did that with this movie. But <laughs> right. you know, you didn't notice those problems as much. You know, and people weren't as educated in terms of you know film as what a lot of people are now. There wasn't no internet or anything like that. You know, so people didn't understand how movies worked. So they probably got away with it more. Maybe, but I know. I mean, I know it's it, it's one of the 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 lesser hammers. It's certainly one of the lesser Draculas. That that's what I thought. That I I, I got the feeling that if you were introducing Hammer Horror to someone who'd never seen one before, this wouldn't be one you'd choose. Absolutely not. No, I mean you'd go right back to the beginning. You'd, if you're going to show them a Dracula, you'd show them Dracula, the first one, or you'd show them the first Frankenstein movie, or or um, the werewolf movie, you know, um, that Oliver Reed was in. You certainly wouldn't start with this. You, and to be honest with you, I don't think you'd start with anything that they put out in the 70s if you're going to introduce. That's not to say they didn't make some good movies in the 70s, but you wouldn't start in the 70s for someone who, who was just coming into Hammer. It was definitely, particularly the Dracula series at this point, was getting very, very tired, I think. Okay. I mean, they're, they're pulling out all the tropes. You know, you've got the angry villagers, you've got the regeneration scene, you've got the, the couple, the young couple. It's like they're looking back at the previous movies and said, oh, all that worked before because we don't know what to do now. So that all that worked before, so we'll just pull little bits and pieces out of the other movies and then make a new movie out of those bits and pieces. So it has all the right uh, ingredients, just does something wrong with the recipe. I think so, yeah. I think it, I think I think the recipe at this point people are getting it's looking sickly, you know, it's not looking right. And and as I say the next two Dracula movies that that, that came out after this, they set them in the 70s. They set them in con, the contemporary right. day, you know, to try and do something different. And that's a whole different story <laughs> as to whether that was successful or not. But but yeah, they're, they're, it's not great. Scars of Dracula isn't great. What did, uh, I presume you felt the same way then. I can't say I disliked it because it's an enjoyable romp of a film. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. just not very well made. And you just kept thinking, I'm sure there's better hammer than this all the yeah, time. definitely. So for me, it's a definitely. miss. But I, I, I didn't... I would, say, I would say miss as well. Yeah, but I didn't hate it, you know? No, no. And as I say, I, I enjoy this movie. I've seen it a number of times, and I always enjoy it. But I think down the road, we'll probably run into better hammers right. in the future, I think, that probably will make the list. One of them, not hopefully not that, that you're... What's it called? Don't panic, Chap. chaps. Don't panic, chaps. Yeah, and, and this <laughs> actually, there's a similarity between the two in that... If you were going to choose a hammer comedy, you wouldn't choose Don't Panic, Chaps. Ah, uh, so interestingly then, was that 
kind of the the death throes of that particular kind of movie that they made then well when i looked through the filmography i didn't see a comedy like that after it ah, so that killed it <laughs> pretty much and it's and it's cheap it's a cheap film yeah. you know mm-hmm. the same quick production values and it has it stars george cole and dennis price Mm-hmm. You know, but oh, they, they never had a problem with cast. Yeah, it, that was it, the one but, thing that Hammer were always good at was getting the right people for the right jobs. I think, but it was clearly made on the cheap and quickly yeah. too. So I guess that's it for us. Yeah, it's a sad, sad note to end on, really. <laughs> no, kind, a... of, kind of the way Hammer ended up. <laughs> I guess, so. but don't worry, because we'll be resurrected in two weeks' time. So in our next episode, we'll be taking a journey through the black hole, Disney's most mysterious movie (laughs) but it's okay now they've got star wars well thank you for listening you can reach us on twitter at retrospecky you can also find us on facebook and you can send us a message at retrospection at email.com and all those are listed in the show notes but please if you could leave us a review on itunes that will really help us get up in the mornings and we need that some days (laughs) yes we do (laughs) we do thank you for listening and it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me